The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good morning. If you are just tuning in, I am Summer Sibley Brown filling in for Neville James as a host of Analyze This from WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Um, and today's a double header. So first we had Lieutenant Governor Trigenza Roach and Governor Albert Bryan on with the candidate speaks, you know, just talking 40 minutes is a, 40 minutes is a really short time to have a, um, a lot of deep conversation. Um, you know, if I'm honest, I really wish we had another hour because there's things that, you know, other issues to, to be discussed, but we had 40 minutes. Um, hopefully you, the listening audience learned, earned something that you could add to your critical thinking bank in terms of how you make decisions, um, on November 8th because the early voting window is closed. So, you know, at this point, some of us have already voted. I am one of them. I already did my early vote. Shout out to me. Um, but as you critically think about who you give your vote to, right? We're not for or against. This is just about information. You take the information and do with it what you need to do, looking for the leadership that aligns your values, answers your questions. Um, so hopefully something we discussed in the first hour was helpful to you. And in our second hour, right? So at 9, 10, 9, 12 ish, um, because, you know, the, the incumbents also be, be coming from a working space. We will have the delegate, um, Delegate Stacy Plaskett, talking a little bit about her job and what it is she does and why she should be reelected by the people of the Virgin Islands. Um, it's really interesting to me personally to look at the differences between aspirants and incumbents, um, to look at problems from perspective. And one thing I will say is that all perspective matters. I think I, I think we said that I said that earlier this week because we were having a conversation, but all perspective matters and putting your perspective on what type of leadership you are seeking in the next four years, in the next two years, that would be most meaningful, not just to you, but to us. Um, I have a I have a really good friend. Um, maybe she's listening this morning. And one of the things she tells me is that her vote is about the long game. So she's not just thinking about herself and her personal benefit or her personal gain. She actually told me once, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm voting against my own personal interest because I could see something or I know in ways in which something might be beneficial to me personally, but I'm considering what is beneficial to all Virgin Islanders, right? And is so balancing balancing the the vote from her perspective, this is her way she makes decisions. She doesn't think about herself in the picture. She thinks about the territory in the picture. And so she's weighing those decisions on what is good for the territory in the long run is good for me. So not immediate good, but what is good in, you know, what's good in the long run. And so like when we're considering 
how we're voting, there's like people have different strategies. People are in different places. People have different needs. And so it's really, really interesting how you determine or decide your vote. But what we're encouraging you to do is to vote, right? It is to become, to participate in the system. Hopefully, as you vote, we're encouraging you to vet that vote by considering the experience, um, the passion, the the skill of the person that you're giving that vote to. And if what they're saying aligns with your values, aligns with your priorities, and aligns with Virgin Islands priorities, because that's what my example was. She's like, what are the priorities for the Virgin Islands? Is energy, is environment, is climate, is um, economics, is, you know, retention of Virgin Islanders, is re-attracting people home, is it jobs? You know, what are the things that you care about that are represented in what um, any person who has done the, and I'm going to call it, um, the brave thing, the, who has done the brave thing to put themselves up to run for office because you have to be courageous to put yourself up to run. And that's not any stage, local, national, international. When you're putting yourself in a leadership position, um that's that's like I say thank you to everybody who chose to run for office this year. Those who have served probably know it better than most how difficult it is to be in a leadership position, um, especially in a small community where everybody knows you. And, you know, someone said, Brittany Dawson said last week, we weaponize our words really quickly against people who are in leadership. And in a small community, those jabs and digs can feel really personal. And we still have people who say, you know what, I love the Virgin Islands enough to run. Um, I love the Virgin Islands enough or I think I have enough um, mental toughness, enough thick skin, but I also have enough leadership and vision and hopefully experience the change of the trajectory of the voting. Right. So I say that to say, as we discuss who we vote, I also want to have a little bit of reverence for those who are brave enough who are committed enough, who say things like, if not me, then who, right? They don't just complain. They don't just say things aren't working out and this needs to be fixed. They actually have put their name, their hat, their life in the ring to be part of the fixing. That's, you know, that's pretty honorable um, for a person to choose that. I just, you know, it is what it is. So as you are listening, if you're in your car, if you're at your desk, if you're on Facebook, you know, we have we're in we're in candidate speak and we have our next guest in house we're just preparing to get her on the mic and i feel like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna just go and give you know neville calls me the incomparable i would say this is the formidable right um there's like literally memes of the lady with a cape um out there in terms of the work that has been done not just on behalf of the virgin islands but behalf of our nation right now. And so we have, you know, Delegate Stacy Plaskett in the house and um, she's going to be talking to us a little bit about what she has been able to achieve and why we should be re-electing her. And I just want to say good morning to the, and she is in a fierce, fierce stone colored dress, like walking in here looking like money today. I was like, <laughs> Oh my goodness, you look beautiful. Good Thank morning. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. I'm really glad to be here with you. Uh, so often I'm on this show with Neville, 
and this is a different kind of energy. So I'm happy to be with you, Summer, uh, and to hear what you're talking about. I was just really listening, taking in what you were saying and really in agreement with you about <clears throat> the notion of people being public servants, uh, those who are elected to office. And that's always what I look for when I'm looking for someone who I'm going to vote for. Uh, yes, someone who can identify what are the issues, someone who has clear plans that are that can be accomplished, right? Because sometimes people come up with some ideas that mm, I ain't got walk, right? <laughs> but ideas that can move the ball forward and um, have a heart to serve the people, have a heart uh, for, for our territory, for our islands. Uh, and I hope that that's, I think people are very, are, are, have good discernment mm -hmm. that they can sniff out um, phony, fake, inauthentic people and people who are not there for the right reason. And I'm glad that we are no longer in a COVID virtual environment so that people can actually touch and test if they have an open mind. You know, listen, I've been a candidate for many years and I know that there are times when people, you walk up to them and you know they already have an, I, I, they mm -hmm. don't like you already. They don't know why they don't like you. They've just decided they don't like you. Um, but there are people who like, mm, I could give it a chance. Let me hear what you have to say. I, lo I love people like that when they ask all the right questions. So hopefully this morning we got 40 minutes to help people hear what you have to say. Mm -hmm. And usually how we start, Delegate, is we, we consider the fact that there may be someone out there who doesn't know you. Right. Like you're, you're very known, but there may be someone out there who doesn't know who Stacey Plaskett is. Or I, why, I meet them all the time. Or why she has chosen to run for office mm -hmm. um, in this specific role. And so the first question <clears throat> is really um, introduce yourself. Um, you know, tell us where you went to school, oh, who you're uh, far. Uh, 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 um, okay. and yeah, and what and why you have chosen to this is your fourth term right. to run for office. We'd be going into fifth, right? right? We'd be going yeah. into your fifth term. Yeah. Why why have you chosen this specific path of service? Sure. Um, so thanks so much for that. Um you know, you have to talk about who you belong to first, right? Uh, so both of my parents are from St. Croix. My mom is a Hendrix. My dad is a Plaskett. And they have known each other since the fourth grade. My mother said she saw my father sitting on, you know, the watchman's, um, that, that, what do you call those rounded mm -hmm. things, right? She saw him, you know, the one across from Sunny Isle next to the Red Cross. She said she was in a car with her uncle and um, and she said she saw my father sitting there. I guess he was waiting for a ride. He lived up in Castle Coakley. And she got back to their house on Company Street in town. And she told her sister, I saw the man I got married. <laughs> Listen, I'm laughing, but I kind of feel like I did that with Stephen Brown Jr. So oh, I saw really? him outside the bakery. I was 13 and I was like, I like him. And he's my husband. So see, I'm see? with your mom. Right. So they've been they've been together now. They've been married uh, for 64 years uh, and, you know, graduated from Christiansted High School together. But they were also part of those Virgin Islanders in the 50s who migrated to New York, uh, usually older siblings who went there for work to send money back home. Things were not so good on the islands back then. And, you know, my parents have made a crucian home in New York 
for themselves and for other people. So I was born and raised in Brooklyn. I always call myself a Brooklyn Crucian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's a lot of us. And, uh, but, you know, once you went through those doors, you were back on St. Croix. And so I always felt like this was home. You know, New York is where I was from. New York, you know, I got that New York spirit about me, but this is home. And, uh, you know, we lived between New York and Kennedy and JFK, uh, where my grandmother lived. And then my grandfather lived down the road in Golden Rock. So that's my home. Um, You know, I've been privileged to... My parents made some tremendous sacrifices for my education. Uh, You know, went to Quaker schools for elementary school. I was recruited and went to boarding school, went to one of the best prep schools in the in the world uh, at Choate, where John F. Kennedy went to school, um, was president of my class there for three years, and then went to Georgetown School of Foreign Service. I was admitted early decision, uh, and then went on to law school at American University. I've been a prosecutor in New York, worked as a staffer on the Hill uh, for Republican members of Congress in a committee, and then went to the Bush administration at the Justice Department, and was then in private practice when, in 2004, I went into my boss's office. I worked for United Health Group and told him, you know, I've decided uh, I'm leaving D.C., I'm leaving this life, and I'm going back to my home, to St. Croix. And the man laughed at me. He was like, you, you won't last a year. He's like, but I tell you what, I'm going to keep your job open for four years. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, no, you're, you're such a New Yorker. You like fast paced. Everything's got to be this way, that way. You, you, how are you going to live on an island? I was like, that's my home. That's where I'm going. And, you know, um, Jonathan and I, my husband and I have made a home here, raised two children here. I have three older children who were already almost out of the house um, before we moved home. And, uh, you know, this has been a part of me. And I decided to run for office because I wanted to give back because I was frustrated with the way things were. And I felt that I couldn't do better representation for the time that we were in. You know, I think that there are times and seasons and, uh, you know, not to negate the work that had been done by other people. But I felt that the season was changing mm. and that it was my time uh, to take this position. And there are things that I'm still trying to work on, which is why I have decided to run again. And, you know, I do an evaluation with my closest advisors, my family, um, my team members as to what do we think we can do? What do we think we can accomplish? What are our goals? How are we going to achieve them? What have we done to then will inform me, okay, it's, you, you still have work to do. So usually how this works is after the introduction, we do rapid fire, right? But I think there is a question on everybody's mind that I'm going to just go, get out the way, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, you're running unopposed and you have these fabulous signs, right? Mm-hmm. They're why, like, why is the delegate <laughs> campaigning so hard or like, I mean flawless signs i've seen comments on facebook about them like oh my god my favorite site mm-hmm. why 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 are you why are you still campaigning even though you're running unopposed well i have run unopposed before uh and campaigned and i don't want people to think i take their vote for granted that i take the trust that they have put in me for granted and so i think it's important to run even when you're unopposed to remind people of what you did 
let them know what you worked on, what you want to accomplish, uh, to thank them as a means of thanking them for the trust that they put in you. And also because, listen, Virgin Islanders are very fickle, you know. If you don't campaign, then the next time they say, oh, she didn't campaign when she was unopposed. Why we should vote for her now? She took us, she took us for granted two years ago. Why we should vote for her this time? And so that's why we go out. You know, I've been on corners and I actually enjoy it. You know, I like hearing what people have to say. Uh, I like the questions. I like the positive feedback. And it also propels you. And, and I tell, I've told people that, you know, in Congress, when we come back the week after the election, you know, members of Congress kind of uh, brag on each other. Like, oh, when someone gets up to speak in the caucus meeting, oh, here comes uh, Miss 85 percent. Here comes Mr. 93%. Here comes Mr. You barely got by with 50 wow. uh, and 300 extra votes. So, you know, it's a, it's a means of also bragging. My people have me here. They want me here for a reason. And um, every vote uh, helps me push forward. So I think what you just highlighted is one, um, reverence for the vote and the fact that you don't take it for granted that you that it is you're, you you want to earn it you don't right. take it for granted that because you're running out unopposed Listen, let me that tell it's you, yours when i when the votes come in and they're like okay um stacy you know there was like maybe she's unopposed and she got x number of votes but not every person votes for me i don't focus on who voted for me you know i'm always like well what did those 500 people not like about me you know, what did I do wrong? And, and you know, I have to say to myself, listen, not everybody is going to uh, appreciate you. Not everybody is going to understand. Not everybody's going to like your work. But it still bothers me, you know. Um, you know, there's that little girl who is always seeking approval that gets a little perturbed when everybody doesn't understand the amount of work that I put into the job. But I think there's there's another thing that, so, you know, I mean, I'm going to speak for myself that we don't also understand is um, the the whole role that the delegate plays. Mm -hmm. Right. Because a lot of your role is invisible. Right. Mm -hmm. So as we as we're talking to the listening audience today and saying, hey, as you're considering who you go out and vote for, I think part of what I hope I seek to do in this kind conversation is elevate mm -hmm. what is unseen to us and what is unseen to me about you in your role as a delegate and that social capital piece right you just elevated it like one of the reasons i have to campaign is because as i walk in to committee i need to be able to say like listen 95 percent of the people voted for mm -hmm. me in the vi because that gives you social capital it does, it does. we are on with the delegate stacy plaskett on our second hour on analyze this 93.1 um your npr station in the virgin islands and when we come back we're going to talk to her a little bit more about her job and why you should vote for her El sistema de elecciones de las Islas Vírgenes lo está haciendo más fácil para que tú formes parte de nuestro equipo por medio de nuestro programa de voluntarios. Estamos en busca de personas buenas como tú que puedan proveer a cada votante el apoyo que necesitan para que efectivamente puedan participar en el proceso de votación. 
puede comenzar recogiendo y completando la aplicación para voluntarios de cualquiera de nuestras oficinas en el territorio. Usted puede servir como monitor. También tienes la opción de convertirte en un facilitador, asegurando que los votantes que están votando por primera vez, los envejecientes y la comunidad de deshabilitados puedan votar con confidencia y acertadamente. Si tienes el tiempo y estás dispuesto a servir, hay un lugar para ti. Solo inscríbete. Si quieres más información, llama al 340-773-1021. Y recuerda, el votar no es solo su derecho, es lo correcto hacer. Wait, wait, don't tell me is a pretty tough quiz about the week's news. In fact, it's so tough that it drove Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock himself, to distraction. This shouldn't be wait, wait, don't tell me. This should be, come on, give me a break. I know. <laughs> Hey, if we can do that to a Vulcan, imagine what thrills lie in store for you. Join us for this week's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the news quiz from NPR. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX-FM. With journalists located all around the world, the BBC World Service can cover international stories when they happen, wherever they happen. Global news you can trust from the BBC World Service. Starting at 2 a.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1. Funding for the BBC World Service comes from First Bank. First Bank's digital bank offers check deposits, bill pay, transfers, and more from anywhere 24-7. More at onefirstbank.com. Good morning, good morning, good morning. If you are just joining us, um, this is me, Samur Sibley Brown, filling in for Neville James on Analyze This. We're in the middle of our candidate speaks. And the candidate we have on this morning is the Delegate Congress Lady Stacy Plaskett. Stacy E. Plaskett. Um, Elizabeth. Stacy Elizabeth Plaskett. <laughs> That's an elegant name. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, you know, we were talking before the break about um, the social capital that comes with when you when you get voted in yeah. on a high level. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, what people don't understand about what is the actual role of the delegate. Sure. Um, and just wanted to talk about what has your job been in the past four terms? Yeah, you know, um, I always, when I first ran, I told people that, you know, I would hit the ground running, that I would be their advocate, be a voice. And what I really tried to do um, when I first got there was gain a particular reputation. You know, when I got to Washington, uh, they told me that, listen, people will immediately assign a, 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 a reputation to you here in Washington. There are people who are show horses, There are workhorses, there are jackasses Mm. as well, uh, and members know it. And so I told my staff, we want to be considered a workhorse. We don't have, um, when Democrats, Aaron, you know, and I always say, people say you don't have a vote. That's not entirely true. We have a limited vote um, as members of the territories because we vote in committee. When the Democrats are in the majority, we vote on the floor, on amendments, on procedures. We just don't vote on final passage. And so without that final passage vote, uh, and members use votes as ways to bargain with each other. 
They also use co-sponsorship. Uh, every member can co-sponsor bills, can um, sponsor, introduce legislation. And so co-sponsoring bills for people, speaking on behalf of legislation for individuals or for your caucus, as well as voting in committee on issues uh, that are bills that other members have are your chits to um, bargain with each other. You know, it's kind of a bartering system in many ways. And so I also wanted to do that kind of work um, as well as the workhorse work of really understanding policy so that we could speak on the floor in very creative but very substantive ways for other members of Congress and for our support. And we've also reached across the aisle, you know, as much as I'm seen as the Democratic voice and, you know, the person who has uh, prosecuted Trump, I have great relationships with a lot of members across the aisle. Uh, You know, I'm considered a moderate, middle ground, pragmatic Democrat. And so there's lots of procedural legislation that I've worked on with other um, Republicans. And that's what we did initially to try and... um, gather as much support initially so that when we needed big things, it could be done. I also made it a point of not going the regular route as members from the territory traditionally do. When you come to Washington, everyone is assigned two committees and you can request one committee that you want eventually Um, but are more exclusive and for more senior people. Uh, But then you're given two committees. I chose agriculture uh, because I believe that, one, agriculture is something that we can really do well here, given the right resources uh, to grow ourselves, to be able to export so that we're not importing as much, but also because underneath agriculture is rural development, which provides support for telecommunications, for rural utility systems, which we are. Uh, And so I thought there was a lot of funding that would be available for us. Um, But all of the members of the territories traditionally sit on uh, the Committee of Natural Resources, where the interior was. And I said I wouldn't sit on that committee. And the reason was is that there were already members of the territories there. And if the territories started acting as a block and meeting regularly and finding out what we could do, then we should go to other committees so that we could have more say on other committees as well. Because if you're only assigned two committees, if all of the members of the territories are sitting on that one committee, there were so many other committees where our voices were not going to be heard. Uh, And, you know, people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe she's not going to sit on natural resources. But I think in the end, it helped me because people didn't see me as someone who was just from the territories. Uh, I also made it a point, even when we were they were voting on final passage, when the House came for final passage vote. And sometimes it's 10 o'clock at night, two o'clock in the morning votes go to sometimes two in the morning. I made it a point to be there. Even though I was not voting on final passage, I'm going to be there because while I don't have the vote, I want the vote. And so I'm going to act in a manner that other members would do. And I think members respected that. Uh, But because I wasn't voting, I had a chance to observe and watch people a little better. And so the Democratic leadership would sometimes ask me how people were voting or how do I think someone was going to vote? Because, you know, when you're the token and you're in a corner, you get to watch and observe people in a way that doesn't happen when you're in the midst of it. 
And so I learned other members' voting habits. Like Summer's going to vote, is not going to vote until Tristan votes because she's afraid that, you know, he's part of her delegation and she doesn't want to be out of step. Or so-and-so is always going to vote ahead of so-and-so and then these other three members will vote with them. These is, this is an issue that's going on in her district. That's why she's going to vote that way. Um, and that became valuable to leadership to have someone who was watching and observing and was not necessarily in the fray. So those are the things that I used initially uh, to gain the trust and the respect of other members that I think served us well. You know, first with my first term, PROMISA, uh, when Puerto Rico was declaring bankruptcy at the last minute, Treasury and the Obama administration wanted to put an oversight board over all the territories. And I was able to get the House to remove that um, portion there because I got members of the Black Caucus to say, if the Virgin Islands is not happy with how the bill looks, none of us are going to vote for it. Uh, and then, you know, after the storms was another example where I was able to convince my Republican colleagues that you can't just give us money to rebuild as the way things were at the time of the storm, because this was um, these are the, the lack of funding caused the amount of damage that was there. Our hospitals failed because there had not been deferred maintenance because we were not being funded uh, under Medicaid and other programs in the same way as the states because we were outside of the formula for our roads and we have x amount of tourism traffic on our roads these this is why our roads uh failed during the storm or our schools you know a school hadn't been built and and so for my republican colleagues i was like listen don't be altruistic be financially sound it does not make financial sense for you to give us money just to rebuild as we're at time of the storm. We and Puerto Rico need to be built resilient. Mm. And so the law was changed for us because I was like, you know, because the storm is going to happen again. And are you going to want to spend this money all over again? In the end, it's going to make more financial sense for you to give us exponential money than other places would be to make up for the deficit of funding initially. Uh, and they bought it. And that's why we have the exponential amount of money that would have come to us initially. So I think one of the things that I'm hearing, you're talking about strategy, you're talking about relationship mm -hmm. um, and the ability to leverage positioning mm -hmm. um, through those relationships. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I, I know personally about your time in the agricultural committee is you have made a way for multiple Virgin Islanders to, to, to testify mm -hmm. um, before Congress. Why is that important to you? Sure. It's important because the members of that committee, um, you know, every four or five years write the farm bill. And so you want not just the members, but the professional staff who are writing the farm bill to understand the issues that are relevant to people in areas like the Virgin Islanders, isolated rural areas that have transportation issues, that have climate change issues, that have not been given the resources to be able to grow food for themselves. Issues that we have with uh, our school lunch programs, with SNAP programs, how do farmers, I mean, what is the technology, the technical support that's needed for them, you know, for them to be able to have a, um, a bank 
right? To be able to borrow and leverage fund money. Uh, you know, I'm really keen on us developing a, a true cooperative for our farmers so that their numbers can support them. So when Virgin Islanders are heard, then their issues are front of mind um, as legislation is being written. And they're also really impressed by the types of things that Virgin Islanders have been able to do. I know when I brought uh, some members of Congress and staff down during Ag Fair and they went to Sage Farms and saw, you know, that there were computers. There's, you know, a room where farmers and others, the technical support that they give each other to apply for grants, to apply for funding. That blew their mind. That was impressive. This is out in the field. You guys are doing this. Uh, they hadn't seen that anywhere in the country. Wow. And so there should also be a sense of pride that we have, that we're doing cutting edge things that then become the model for other places. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the committees mm -hmm. um, that you that you are serving on currently. Right, mm -hmm. we, we've told people like how you got there, who right. you are, where are you currently serving? Yeah, um, that's something that I even my mind like. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to break the mold. I'm going to be different. Would never have thought. When members of Congress come in and they write a letter saying what committees they want to sit on, you know, they also put their aspirational committee. And the committee I'm sitting on was so beyond my aspirations that I didn't even put that in the letter because, uh, you know, I sit on the Ways and Means Committee, which is the oldest committee in Congress. It's also the most exclusive, meaning that it has the least amount of members and it requires the most seniority as well as buy in from leadership to put you on that committee. And there had never been a member of the territory on the committee. In fact, Summer, in the 1970s, when members of the territory started getting elected to Congress, leadership of both the, uh, the Democrat and the Republican leadership meant and came to an agreement that a member of the territory would never go on Ways and Means. Wow. Because they don't have a vote, a final vote, um, because their interests are so small that they would not put them on this committee, the only committee that's actually uh, outlined in the Constitution. And so the idea that I would be on it was not in my mind frame. But um, when John Lewis died, um, Cedric Richmond was put on Ways and Means to take his, his place. And then after the election, when Cedric Richmond went to the White House, uh, he had been representing Louisiana, a position came up. And so I went to leadership and, you know, my inner circle was like, you should try it. Nothing, you know, you, go ahead, ask for it. You, you've done the work, you know, you've, you've done the work. And, and the other side that people aren't aware of predominantly is that, you know, I've, I raised a lot of money for other members uh, I supported people in other ways, and they're like, try for the committee. And so I was elected unanimously by the caucus to serve on that committee. I'm the first member of the territory, and I'm also only the fourth black woman to be wow. on that committee. In the history of the committee from 1780, whenever, when Congress, the first Congress was formed, there have only been four black women who served on the committee. Three of, that, three of us are there now. So that's how recent it is. Uh, and that committee is very important because it is the primary tax writing 
and Revenue Generating Committee. It is the committee that generates all the revenues that then go to all of the federal agencies, all of the money that uh, is utilized by the United States from our $800 billion defense budget to our agriculture budget to, you know, funding for schools, roads, whatever. Um, So Biden's um, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act had to be written by our committee. Um, Build Back Better was written by our committee. The CARES Act after the COVID, during the COVID pandemic and the American Rescue Plan were written by our committee. And because I was on that committee, I was able to tuck in little pieces for the Virgin Islands. So that's how we got um, finally moving forward a reimbursement on the earned income tax credit, Mm -hmm. right? And the child tax credit. So when you as a Virgin Islander write your taxes, you get um, a reimbursement for your earned income taxes. You get a reimbursement for a child tax credit up to a certain amount. And in the past, the Virgin Islands government was paying out that money. So moving forward, they will be reimbursed by the federal government, which gives us an additional 20 to $40 million a year moving forward. Uh, and that's the funding that um, Governor Bryant used to bring everybody's income taxes, past taxes, up to date uh, from the money that was in previously. You know, I was able to tuck in um, a cancellation of our loan after the disaster which was 300 million. I was able to put in that um, the our local government, you know, everybody throughout the states were getting money for lost, potentially lost revenues mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And, you know, I have to say that our local legislature and the governor did a great job uh, budgeting for revenue that they thought we were going to lose. And the uh, local administration was able, however, to make a play to get more tourism during the pandemic, which really put us in a better position. But because the federal government was like everyone we think is going to lose money, uh, the Virgin Islands got a check in the CARES Act. We were able to write for $547 million. So that money is now gaining interest while the governor and the local legislature plan how to use the funding. You know, I put in a plug that I think part of the funding should be used to build a ferry system between St. Croix and St. Thomas that's affordable and that will allow us as Virgin Islanders not just to transport people, but teams of young people between the islands to play, for farmers on St. Croix to bring goods and food over to St. Thomas. You know, one of those large um, three ferries that could be used between the islands for um, goods and services and people at a reasonable cost. So if you are listening to us, and I'm hoping that you are, and you're hearing new things, right? Because I think in large part, some of this, some of this work and the level of work that you do is, is invisible. Right. Um, and I'm also hearing the team, the, the kind of cross-collaborative work of the things you do, how that feeds the executive and legislative branch sure. and how your work feeds into what we might feel on the ground. But it's actually, you're a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as we take break, I want you to consider all the things you've heard this morning that you may not have known in terms of how the delegates' role 
actually is feeding movement in our local governmental system. Um, and when we come back from the break, we're going to talk to her about the future. Should she be elected? Um, I mean, she's running on a polls, right? So we're going to, I'm going to plug that. Um, but we're going to talk to her about the future of service. Sure. Banking for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go. And our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations. One in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com Good morning, neighbor. I see you got your bumper stickers and your hat sign up, Pauline. Yes, I'm so ready for this election season. Me too. Just waiting for the info on the polling places and then ballots. What polling places? You mean voting centers? The election system is using voting centers this year, where you can go anywhere across the island, walk in, fill out a ballot. Just bring your ID. Really? Because my daughter lives in Tutu, but walk all the way by the airport and would try to run back home before the sun goes down to vote. Nope. You're no longer stuck to just your neighborhood on election day. Voting centers mean you can vote anywhere in your district. And the next time, try the early voting option too. Skip the line altogether on election day. Girl, you have all the good tips this year, man. So, who's going to win? Ha! Read my yard sign. Then pick any voting center. Just remember, voting is not just your right. It's, it's the, the right, right thing, thing to do. A message from the election system of the Virgin Islands. I'm Attorney General Denise George. How much do you know about Virgin Islands laws? Injustices can happen anywhere and in situations where we least expect. I make it my mission to empower you with knowledge about our laws and the issues that affect our Virgin Islands community. Join me on Justice Matters, a new talk show that aims to inform you and engage you to be a part of the solution. Saturdays at 1130 a.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. Good morning, good morning, good morning. And so, you know, my favorite saying, and we are back. That is the thing that Neville says that whenever he says it, I was like, I want to say it. And so when I'm the guest host by myself, I get to say it But every how day. does he say it? Don't do that because he has a thing with the R. And, you know, when he says, so he says it like a New Yorker mm-hmm. and I can't. So I just like, I gonna say it like a Kujan. And we are back and we're on with the delegate. And we've been talking a little bit about her, her experience. You know, I'm just going to say the only reason I know we're choked is is mm-hmm. because I watched um what is that ridiculous series on stars power, power. so when you said chote I had a reference and yeah. I felt like people out listening had a reference yeah but you know I I you know Notori Naughton and I are friends right and I would text her and I'd be like yo that is not how chote looks <laughs> that is not where it is you can't take a freaking train or a bus to get to the school it's in Connecticut and she would be like Stacy it's a show Relax, no, but it relax. is it is a show. But TV gives people frames of reference, exactly. and so I just like for a listening audience, maybe many of them had never heard of Chote yeah, until that. Yeah. Like that gave me an understanding of when you said where you yeah, went. I mean, the listen, level of exclusive exclusivity. Yeah, yeah. I just have a small frame, so I just wanted to bring that up. Listen, I mean, going there was life changing for me. Uh, I was thirteen years old, 
and my my parents were looking at high schools and they this school called them up and was like we got her test scores and we'd like to know if she'd be interested in going to school here the school is 400 acres for a high school uh, there's a building and a, or a complex for every subject matter. Uh, most students like myself, junior year, end of your junior year, you do a term abroad to, f- to finish your foreign language requirement. You know, when I was there, it was only, it was 900 students at the school and there was less than 12 black students there. Wow. So you either have to learn who you are as a person or be subsumed by not being who they are. And I feel like I came out on the other end very grounded in who I was as a person, what my role was supposed to be, being outspoken, my very blackness, you know, is not, uh, I I don't wear it on my sleeve, but it's very uh, who I am. Um, and you know, my friends laughed, my other black friends, cause they were like, say, you know, all of us were kind of like looking around like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. And you were like, we're there with a purpose because I always felt like if I don't succeed here, not just get through here, but am the best here, it may, um, stifle them having other black students here. Wow. Um, so, you know, that's why I was president in my class, you know, um, you know, not to brag, but every college that I applied to, I got into. And Georgetown was, in my parents' mind, at the bottom of the list of schools that I was applying to. You know, every Ivy League school. Um, and then after getting into all of them, trying to, I uh, negotiating was who was going to give me the most money. Uh, and that was my experience at the school. You know, I, I continue to go there. I was a board, a member of the board of trustees there for 10 years. Three of my sons went there. So it, it, it's done me well, but it opened up for me and a realm of possibility of what is really out there in the world that I wouldn't have gotten if I had stayed in Brooklyn. You know, down the hall from me, my um, prefect of the dorm in my sophomore year was Jeanette Hines, whose family owns Hines Ketchup. You know, Cece Johnson of Johnson & Johnson. I went to school with a Rockefeller with, you know, some of the Kennedys. Those were just classmates. Uh, You know, and I call on them now for a contribution (laughs) as a a politician, but it let me see what is out there uh, and what should be equitable based on people's ability. So speaking of what is out there, Mm -hmm. um, there are issues, right? Like there are issues that still need tackling. We are seeking a fifth term. If you could your top three priorities, right? I know you probably have a longer list because Mm -hmm. there's a plethora of things that need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Um, But what are your top three priorities should you be reelected? You know, I've talked with my team about, um, listen, it's it's a high probability that the Democrats will lose the House. And what does that mean being in the minority? Uh, Thankfully, we still have the White House. And so much of my work kind of dovetails with that administration because I felt like in this fourth term, I really got a lot of funding for the Virgin Islands. And so the fifth term will be really trying to get the administration, the Biden administration and our local government to get that money on the ground. 
and so people will see a shift in a lot of my thinking about how do we get the money on the ground? How do we make it more visible? How do we uh, obligate that money and begin the building, begin the telecommunications um, push, all of those things on the ground so that people in the Virgin Islands can see it. The other thing that I really would like to work on is small businesses here. How do we support and grow our businesses, whether those are farming businesses or financial services or, uh, you know, remote telecom database businesses, really trying to support that. You know, um, VINGN, the head of VINGN, let me know of this idea that he had of, you know, the Virgin Islands being a hub for telecommunications that the federal government there is no direct, if you can believe this summer, there is no direct link between the United States and Africa hmm. in terms of telecom, in terms of fiber optics, in terms of broadband. We have to go through Europe or through Asia to get to Africa. And Africa, as in defense, just defensively, is the highest level of terrorism going on. Uh, and so we have put in language that the Defense Department should do a study of the Virgin Islands and of Africa as potentially using us as a hub to get a fiber optic line to Africa, kind of like utilizing that triangle yep. in, a, in a different kind of way. Uh, and so those are the kinds of things that I think creatively I, I will be working on. Um, as well as, you know, I've been talking with leadership in Congress uh, about if the Republicans should take control, they want me to change one of my committees to be on the Judiciary Committee, which is where all of the impeachments of Biden, Kamala Harris and others will take place and needing someone who's been a former prosecutor, been someone to be able to counter uh, some do the cross-examinations, the redirect of witnesses, if you would, uh, on that committee, as well as potentially being a much more vocal national voice um, for the party as we're leading up into, at the end of these two years, a presidential election. So for me, I think one of the questions I've heard people say is like, I'm always like super impressed. Like, oh my God, Stacey's going to be on CNN. Stacey's going to be on this. Stacey's mm -hmm. going to be on that. What In being that national voice, um, before you came in, somebody asked me a question about like wearing the cape, right? Because that's mm -hmm. what I associate that that meme of you in mm -hmm. the cape, like mm -hmm. doing the work um, on behalf of the National Party. And even like you said, in the impeachment work, mm -hmm. what is the actual benefit to us as Virgin Islanders? You know, it, that's that's a great question. And um, as you talked about relationships, right, it means that my husband and I were at the White House for the uh, White House picnic, you know, every year, except during COVID, uh, there, and that, we didn't go during Trump for the most part, there is a picnic at the White House. And we were talking about, oh my gosh, remember when I first got elected, I was a freshman and we went to this White House picnic and we were just looking around like, oh my gosh, look at everybody. I was in this, whew, this is so impressive. Oh my God, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so. Oh, look at them over there, we get to see them. And this last time we went to the White House picnic, you know, you have 
um, Senator Menendez, uh, you know, Senator Cory Booker, um, you know, the Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, like, oh my gosh, Stacey, will you come over here and take a picture with my niece? She like loves you and she'd love for you to take a picture with her. And I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah, sure. But it also means that when I call them, they answer the phone. Right. I have their cell phones. Um, I can be like, listen, we have a piece of legislation that we really need your help with. Uh, you know, so many people are asking me about the Caribbean visa waiver program and it's passed the House, but we had not had any movement in the Senate. So I called up Cory Booker and I'm like, Cory, you know, I really need your help. Um, this is the rationale for the bill. And he's like, Stacey, stop. You don't need to discuss it anymore. Um, sure, I'll introduce the legislation. I'll have my staff work on that for you because I have those relationships because people, as I said, it's a bartering system. You're doing this for the party. We're going to do this for you. Um, over the Labor Day weekend, I was in New York and I think I had been on, uh, I was in New York, so people wanted me in studio. So I was on, you know, MSNBC and on Good Morning America and all of this. And right before I went on Good Morning America, my phone rings and it's an unknown phone number and I pick it up and it's the vice president. And she's like, oh my, Stacy, you're just doing such a good job. You're getting the message out. And I'm like, well, what do you think I should focus on? So we talk for about 15 minutes. But I know that if I call on these people and ask them for something, I've given to the party. You know, I've been a soldier. And so soldiers are rewarded for the work that they do on the line. And that's how it helps the Virgin, Island, the Virgin Islands. You know, me asking for loan forgiveness of our disaster loans or me asking for a reimbursement. Uh, yes, I'm sitting on the committee, but the committee is like, Stacy has done this for us. Let's do this for them. Well, I mean, it seems um, it seems like the natural trajectory from where you said when you first entered, like we are going to be known as the workhorse. We're going to come here, mm -hmm. we're going to work hard and we're going to build that reputation. And it just seems like what you have done in four terms is kind of expand that workhorse yes, horse yeah. reputation to include larger service exactly. of the party of, you sure. know, of the of Congress in multiple ways to then bring back leverage. Um, to the Virgin Islands. Sure. Because, I mean, people here need to understand that, you know, I vote and I sponsor legislation for Virgin Islanders, but I also vote and sponsor legislation for the nation. You're not just having me there to represent the Virgin Islands interests, but I'm the Virgin Islands voice on national interests because we're Americans mm -hmm. and we need to see ourselves as part of the American experience and that from the very beginning we have had a voice in what America is doing, and we need to continually push for us to be a part of that conversation. Delegate, in your final two, well, three minutes, mm -hmm. um, please just remind the people who you are, mm -hmm. why you're running, and why is it important to come out and vote sure. and vote for you if they are so inclined. Sure. You know, um, there, is an, there is a definite onslaught against people voting right now. Uh, you hear it nationally and you hear it even here. People questioning radio hosts talking about how um, the machines don't work or whatever, whatever. They don't work because they don't get elected. It doesn't mean that the machines are not working. Uh, and that's a misinformation and a false narrative that keeps people at home. And not voting is something that 
help that causes you to reduce your power. That is another way of you flexing your power. It may be small, but it's significant. You know, I always remind people that I can't remember which election it was uh, where in the in the our former governor, John DeYoung, had to go to a runoff because of two votes. Hmm. Two people didn't vote for him and voted for the other person that caused a runoff in the election. So the notion that every vote doesn't count is a misnomer, particularly here, because we have such small numbers. And so I would really encourage people that your, vo- your voice and your power, the, if, if so many people are trying to take it away from you, it must have some significance. It must be important. And so we want people to vote. And uh, the reason I'm asking people to vote for me is that I believe that I have not just the experience or the, the tenacity, but I'm someone who is constantly putting the people of the Virgin Islands in every thought that we have. We have a team both in Washington and here at home that, you know, throughout everything, our doors stayed open. Throughout COVID, my team was like, we're not doing this remote. People need us. We're answering the phone. We're going to be here. We're going to figure out a way to do this, to take care of the needs of the people uh, from a federal level. Uh, And we're going to continue to be there with the people and fighting for the people of the Virgin Islands, whether it's here at home or in Washington, moving forward. And I'm asking you to support me because I believe that there's still work to be done. I believe that I'm the person who can get that done in the best way. And man, I need your, uh, your, the votes to galvanize me, right? To give me that push to continue because it gets tiring. It's frustrating. It's hard work every day. You know, I have meetings 7 a.m. and sometimes I, I don't get home till 10, 11, 12 o'clock. And, but knowing Listen, when I get a a young Virgin Islander, a little elementary school person in the grocery store, you know, out and they're like, you're Stacey Plaskett. Can I? That's that's the best feeling of all, uh, along with those votes. So, um, you know, keep bringing us the ideas. Keep believing in the Virgin Islands. Keep questioning your leaders. uh, And I think and everyone put your shoulder to the hoe. For us to move forward and and it can get done thank you so much delegate for joining us this morning on candidate speaks um you know bon chance this is <laughs> merci yes oh you hear the nice uh, you know nice french accent have a great day i know you have a lot to do it really means a lot to us that you stopped in today to be on candidate speaks listening audience i hope you're motivated to vote um delegate you didn't tell them your number i am number one on the ballot <laughs> no. and a delegate to Congress. Uh, please vote Stacey E. Plaskett for delegate to Congress number one on your ballot. All right, WTJX listening audience, that is it. We have rounded out the second hour. Thank you for hanging in there with us. I will be back. Analyze this are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. issues of our time. This is the BBC World Service. Welcome to Business Daily. You're listening to Crowd Science. Hello and BBC welcome to the Climate Question. It's Digital Planet here. Hello, BBC. welcome to Health Check. Welcome BBC. to Music Life. This is Sports this World. This is World Business Report. Hello and welcome to News Hour. Welcome to World Book Club. You like it, I promise. The BBC World Service. Starting at 2am right here on WTJX FM 
93.1. You're not too cool for me. And in return, I reciprocate that sentiment. I'll never be too cool for you. I was a man with a plan, but now I'm a dad with a decree, and you can't take that from me. Please let it be noted that I told my job they can dock my pay. Right now is just too important to take you to school every day. I want to be legendary for you. I want you to puff out your chest when you go to school the same way I do. I walk taller because of you, because I found everything to live for. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.